You're now listening to Primetime with Charles Reese, presented by the Bros You Think Network. Enjoy. What's up, guys? Welcome to another edition of the Primetime Podcast. My name is Charles Reese, your host, and today we have a special guest. Uh, Before we get to that, a couple of notes to take from the weekend. A big win for Tiger at the Masters. Awesome to see him come back. Uh, Will Wade reinstated. Uh, we've been talking about that for weeks, but uh, it finally happened. Uh, I think some more news is going to come out soon about that, but we will see what happens with that. Uh, and baseball suffers a tough loss. They lose two from three at Missouri. Uh, it just seems like the line of injuries right now that's going on with the baseball team is tough as they have a uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday series play UL this week. And it looks like going into the UL game and probably this weekend that uh, they may be without and probably will be without Zach Hess, Zach Watson, Chris Reed, Hal Hughes, Landon Marceau, Jaden Hill, and Chase Costello. Uh, as of now for Tuesday, it looks like LSU will only have 11 healthy position players. So uh, it should be a tough task tonight against UL uh, with so many guys out, but uh, it should still be a good game, a good cause, as it is the Wally Pontiff Classic. Uh, if you don't know much about Wally Pontiff Jr., go ahead, search it online, uh, and support a good cause if you're not doing anything. Game's over at the Shrine tomorrow night in Metairie. Uh, but without further ado, let's get into the interview with Mike Gates. We'd like to welcome our guest today as Mike Dettelier from MikeDettelier.com. Over on Twitter, at Mike Dettelier is joining us today. Hey, Mike, how you doing? I'm fine, thank you. Mike, I would love to start out with an LSU question and some Saints stuff. Looking at LSU's spring game, I didn't see a single snap under center. Uh, So many players you see through high school ranks in in Louisiana, especially, are playing more of these, uh, you know, shotgun snap uh, offensive attacks. They're playing spread out, and it seems like that's what we saw. How is this going to help these kids and this offense be successful this year if this is the type of offense we're going to see? Well, I think one of the things is it makes it easier at the quarterback position. This is what you're playing in high school, and it makes it easier for the pitch and catch game with the receivers. You look at this LSU team today, what's the strength of their team? It's that wide receiver. Uh, Look all the talent you got there, accumulated talent. And so I think it makes it much easier. Uh, Again, the short, quick pass has, has been in place. That's, that's not a new part of the game. Uh, it's been in there for quite some time. Um, and I know it's something Coach O has wanted. I think the big part of why all this works is, is who you have at quarterback. Uh, Joe makes it work. Uh, you know, he understands that part of the game really well. That's what he did in high school. And that's what Miles Britton did in high school. It makes the transition a little bit simpler for him, even though you know you're still playing a higher level of competition. I think that's one of the things Joe Brady brought to the table is that uh, this is what he's coached. You know, he's worked under a pretty demanding head coach in Sean Payton in New Orleans, and um, you know that's been Sean's bread and butter. That short, quick passing game, get it out to the receiver, and then let them do something after the catch. One of the things we didn't see in the spring game, and, and this is part of something um, Ed told me that he picked up 
when he was with the Saints was that while you're getting this short, quick pass offense set in place, that to try to hit on the deep ball. And uh, Coach Insminger and I had a conversation last summer about it, and he was like, you know, Mike, I go back through games, and there are probably four or five times in a football game that you can go deep, and how many times you miss fire? And he said the percentage is really high that the quarterback doesn't make the, the right throw. And so he said, we got to make a pay. If, if that's what we're going to do on those deep passes, you got to make them pay the price because that safety is eventually going to cheat up and try to stop uh, the short passing game and help out, you know, in the tackle. As soon as you start to see him cheat up, then you go deep with it. So it brings another angle to the table, but I think the big thing about it is it's a little bit different look than what we've seen in the past, certainly from LSU, spreading the field out, uh, using four wide outs. Uh, and when you have a guy like, like Sullivan, you know, he's sort of part tight end, part wide out, which you see a lot of in college football today. <clears throat> I think the big thing is here the ability to quarterback position to make sure you make the correct read, correct throw. And you have that in Joe Burrow. And the, the arm talent's Miles Brennan. Miles played in that in high school, and I think it's a quick transition for him into this offense. And with, with all that said, I do know why Ed grew up, you know, and I've been knowing him over 40 years. <clears throat> and where he coached, and those teams were always – physical running football teams. And that element's still going to be there at LSU. Always going to be there as long as he's coach. He wants to play that brand of football when he has to. But I think this dimension here gives you that short, quick passing game, utilization of the receivers, uh, big receivers, and a budding young star in Jamar Chase. Because <laughs> he's the talent. I mean, you can see. He's a guy you want to have touched the football, you know, and it doesn't matter how you do it, 10 to 11 times a game as a receiver or as a running back. And I do think that uh, you're going to see some of that as the season plays out. But uh, it's a little bit different twist to it, but it plays into what you're getting from the high school ranks. It makes the transition for the wideouts and the quarterbacks much simpler. But what makes it really work? Joe Burrow, Miles Brennan. They make it work. And Ed and I talked about this uh, last year, that, you know, we go back to what happened at USC when they made that turnabout. And Pete comes in. He wasn't the first choice. He was maybe the fifth at SC. And they had not had a quarterback selected in five years and only had three selected. Uh, in the past 11 at USC. And all of a sudden, Carson Palmer hits. And he ha there has to be a first one. And Carson became the first one. And then from Carson, it became Matt Leiner. And then Booty. And then Sanchez. And look at a run Pete Carroll had. And I think it does attract... Uh, the wide receivers and tight ends to say, man, listen, I want to play on that team with those guys. Uh, they're going to get me to football and, you know, we'll do something in space here. So 
I think it, it's a win-win situation. Joe's brought a lot of that that NFL type offense to the table, but um, all I can tell you is I do know the man who's calling the shots, and that physical part of the game will always be there for LSU, and uh, uh, they're going to run the ball a lot with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and hopefully Chris Curry can play like he did in the spring game. He wasn't like that throughout the practices. And you got two stud backs coming in, John Emery and, and Tyron Davis Price. So uh, um, that that part you didn't see, and that part of the deep ball, I think you're going to see them try to hit. And when you got the receivers like what they have with their speed, you just put the ball out there and let them run under it. Well, Mike, you talked about the run game. Do you think that this type of offense, which is almost identical to what Destrahan runs, will help a guy like Emory get in, you know, situated in this, you know, type of college ball quicker than, let's say, running backs in the past? I think running backs have the easiest transition of all of them because of the, just the position itself. Um, the one thing they have to break is, a lot of times you can outrun people to the edge uh, in high school. That's not always the case when you play in the SEC, and certainly not the case in the NFL, is that sometimes you just got to get a bunt. Sometimes you got to take it up hard inside and get that two, three yards, and you're not going to be able to cut the corner on some of these defenses because of their speed. But it makes the transition a little bit easier. I've always felt for running back, the transition is the wear and tear on you. You don't get hit like you do in college football. Uh, that level there is totally different from high school. And you get pounded. And guys now are being taught to strip the football away. So ball security comes into play early on. But, you know, John's a terrific receiver coming out the backfield. I mean, he's like a wideout in a lot of instances and in that he catches the ball so cleanly. Uh, he's very swift with his movement skills. And so it, it'll make the transition for him a little easier because it was similar to what happened at uh, what they ran at Destrahan. For John, I think the biggest jump is going to be the every week pounding that you take at the college level is far different from high school and more ball security in that you got, guys today that uh, you, you go to some of these colleges and man, they're teaching them how to strip the football away. So it, it does make it a little bit easier, but I think people are going to be surprised at that one, two punch with Emory and, and Tyron and what they bring to the table. Cause Tyron's really very much like what Ed had along with Pete Carroll at USC with Lindell white. I mean, Lindell was that, just that big pounder guy who was 235 pounds and he kept hammering away and hammering away at you. You got in the red zone, you gave it to him and everybody paid so much attention to Reggie Bush. My thing is, I think that this is going to be kind of a dual Reggie Bush role where I think Jamar Chase and John Emery will play that role of Reggie Bush um, in this style offense at LSU in 2019. Well, Mike, switching over to the Saints, looking at the upcoming draft, got my copy of the MD draft report, and I saw that you mocked the Saints uh, to get tight end Jace Sternberger. With the addition of Jarrett Cook, are you sticking with that, or, or do you think maybe the Saints could be looking at another position of need? 
And listen, I did about 50 mocks. So uh, <laughs> it was, you know, when you don't have a first round pick, and that's a long stroll to get down late in the round too. And you're looking for a guy that one, you got to have a, a right, the right vision for him. You got to have a thought process of where he would fit, how he works in your offense. And I, I just thought Chase would be a really good fit. Uh, he's a one-year guy. And during the summer, I met up with Jimbo Fisher. And, um, you know, we go back a few years when he was here. And he was like, uh, uh, big guy. He said, I got somebody here. He's a player. Uh, you know, not just typical Jimbo. I said, who is it? He said, Jace. Uh, and I think he said Chase at first. But then he said Jace uh, Sternberger. Uh, tight end. He said, man, he's a heck of a player. And he said, what he can do real well is he says he's a big receiver playing tight end. He can stretch the middle of the field. He said, we got a bunch of young kids playing receiver and uh, you know, I need, I need a target for, for Mon. Uh, I need a guy that's going to constantly be there for him in that short middle range area of the field. He said, man, once he catches it, he said, you know, he's something after the catch. He's really good. And I think that he would be a good fit offensively and what the Saints do. I had one that I almost went with with Hakeem Butler, the wideout from Iowa State. And and I think Sean likes a big receiver. So I I still believe it'll be a wide receiver or a tight end. Uh, Even with Jared Cook, he's a two-year guy. Well, what happens if, you know, you always got to think of the worst. If he gets hurt, you kind of back to square one as you were a year ago. And I think they'd like to put a little depth in that area. And so I think Sternberger would be a really good fit here in this offense. But if there was a big receiver, that's an area where I think Sean would like to, to upgrade. There is no luxury pick for the Saints. So, that, that you know, if you got a lineman that could play tackle and guard, that certainly would fit here. And um, even another pass rusher, because you never have enough of those guys. I'm a big believer in nothing wins games in the fourth quarter more than a pass rush. I mean, how many games we watch a team's down by 10, 12 points and, you know, six minutes left. And, you know, you see the other team's quarterback, he's sitting back there, man, you know, it's like he's making place in a long order, you know, and nobody's around him. He's just throwing darts, skeleton drills. You got to be able to affect the quarterback. And so, uh, uh, I think they could go a number of different ways, but uh, I do know the coach, and um, you know he's got an itch that likes to be scratched with offensive players. Yeah, he falls in love with somebody, and, and it seems like he finds a way to get those guys, especially in those first couple of rounds. Or, or Mike, looking at the Saints draft in the past, ever since Jeff Ireland has come on board, you can attribute a lot of the Saints' success to what the job that Jeff has done especially looking at last year, most of the draft picks the Saints did have on the team were on NFL active rosters uh, going into this next season. Is it important for the Saints to be looking later in the draft at best player available, or should they be trying to attack a need in this draft? Well, you know, this is 33 years for me, so I've gotten a chance to talk to a lot of head coaches throughout that time frame. And most of them tell you the same thing. We know who the top 100, 110 players are, basically the first three rounds of the draft. And after that, we have to rely on our regional scouts. And I know one of the things Sean sort of kind of beats 
the table about is, hey, don't go tell it to somebody in the media three years later. I wanted so-and-so, but, you know, you didn't hear me out. So you get your opportunity here to tell me ahead of time. And that's the, the plus of the extended draft period is that, <coughs> excuse me, when, when you're with scouts and you're go, putting up that final board, you know what? Say your piece now. You know, you got a chance. Say your piece to me. If you feel strongly about a player that's going to be there in fifth, sixth, seventh round, say it to me now. Because come draft day, when we don't have a lot of time to make that pick, I want that information in front of me. I want that, that I, I have knowledge of it. So you got to rely on your regional scouts. That's first and foremost in the later rounds. And you got to re- realize that they are looking at for your team, what's the best fit for you. And I do think that one of the things Sean does really well is take good advice in the medium to later rounds. Cause to be honest, he's busy on the weekends in the fall. You know, he's got a team to coach. He's not sitting there watching five college football games. So you have to rely on people that's in your scouting department to tell you that guy would be a good fit for us. And so you you work through that process um, all the way around with it. One of the things, the other thing about Sean that he's been pretty consistent with is that he's aggressive and you go back. He made the move up on draft day a few years back to trade up for an extra first round pick for Mark Ingram. He traded up in round one to get Brandon cooks. He traded up in round four to get David on He traded up two years ago to get Alvin Kamara. He traded up last year for Marcus Davenport. So, you know, if I'm going to the racetrack and I look at that form, <laughs> I'm willing to put down a few nickels. He does the same thing this year that, you know, he's going to be aggressive. And if it's to maybe trade a pick a year from now for a pick today or move up or whatever, Sean's going to be aggressive about it, especially about players that he's got a lot of knowledge about Uh, in the later rounds who just that you have to rely on your regional scouts in Ireland to kind of vet out the type of player you want. But early on, I think Sean's got a pretty good idea of that type of football player that he wants. And he wants an impact player. He wants a guy that can come in, you know, and play now. Um, and, and today as a rookie, there ain't a lot of redshirting going on. You, you, better, you better be ready to play in some manner, either in a role position, special teams, or whatever. Because the day of we're going to let you sit and watch, uh, those days are over with. You have to come in and be able to contribute to a football team. Well, Mike, we have a couple of listener questions before we get you out of here. Uh, first one is they're asking about a guy like Foster Moreau. Uh, I know fans around here, when the LSU connection is there, they fall in love with a guy. Tight end being a neat position, do you think maybe that's the guy the Saints could end up looking at? Well, I know they have, and they've spent a little extra time on Foster and looking at him and you know, he's caught 46 passes the last two years at LSU combined. Now, that's not eye-opening. But you also got to understand that they had some issues up front keeping their quarterbacks upright. And so you had to keep him in some time to help pass protect. And he's a hell of a run blocker, too. Most of these guys today, 
tight end, uh, they're pumped up wide receivers playing tight end. Uh, they're flanked outside. The, the one thing about Foster, and I can say the same thing about my top-rated tight end, T.J. Hawkinson, they can actually block. They're not getting away, guys. They know how to move people. And so that, that gives him a big advantage. Great leader on this football team um, in talking to Coach Jenkins and and he, name it every coach on that staff, if it's Ensming or Ogeron or whatever, they tell you. you first thing comes out of their mouth is how tough he is. You know, this is a guy that was one of the final scholarships given when he came out of high school. And he was going to Tulane. You know, his mom had been an athlete there, and it looks as though that's where he was going to head. And then he had an opening, and, and Les gave him that opportunity. And I think what shocked everybody is how well, and he's worked with a track coach, is how well he worked out at the combine when he tested out and yeah, uh, really high, much better than anyone would have expected. Uh, he didn't run that fast at LSU. And so you can see that what he does best is work that short intermediate part of the game. He's sure handed. He's a huge target guy, red zone, short area to field. That's what Drew's looking for. So it wouldn't surprise me. Now I have him as a late third, early fourth round pick. The problem with that is the Saints don't have a third or fourth round pick right now, but it wouldn't surprise me that if they made a maneuver, it would be for a guy like Foster, who I think is going to end up being a starting tight end in the NFL. And he, he knows what to do, and he's a complete tight end. He's a guy that can run block, and also he's been a really steady receiver, a sure-handed guy. And I think he's going to end up being a better professional player than he was a college player, only because of the fact uh, with the system they had at LSU, especially under Coach Miles. And, and then I think early on with O also, they didn't really include the tight ends a lot. And then last year, well, I think when they wanted to do it, the problems they had pass protecting forced you to keep him inside as a blocker. So um, I think he'd be a great pickup for the Saints. And he's a guy, man, if you're in a fight and you pick inside, you, you know, you better pick him. He might get beat up, but uh, he'll have a lot of guys alongside of him that, that he's taken out. Yeah, just looking at him from uh, his pro day, it, I agree with you there, Mike. Uh, the other question is, uh, with Mike Westhoff leaving and, and Darren Reezy coming in, uh, what is the drop-off, or do you think we're increasing that special teams position? It's a younger guy. He's been in the league. You know, Mike, uh, Mike sort of oversaw the special teams part of it, you know, Mike will tell you, and I guess, you know, don't leave the cat out the bag here, but Mike was, man, I don't want to be a full-time special teams, the guy in charge, man, I don't want Sean jumping all over me. Let him jump on the other two guys. Um, but you know, Mike had so much knowledge about the game and how to do things. And that's been a part. And it's all about players. Westoff has told us that, Hey, listen, uh, I'm a lot smarter coach when I got better players. And I do think that that's a big part of it. Uh, their special teams have really been solid the last few years, certainly with the addition of Will Lutz at place kicker. Morstead's always been a superb guy there. What they haven't had, they haven't had a punt returner. They haven't had a guy that can be a difference maker uh, in the return game. And to me, kickoffs, 
you know, you can see where the NFL is almost trying to do away with it. I think you know, probably in our lifetime, we're going to see that, that they're not going to have that, uh, you know, sort of in the playbook. You go out and get Mark, Marcus Sherrill's, and I can't teach speed. Now, you might have a speed coach that can get you a little faster, but either you fast or you not, and he is lightning fast. And figure he's had five punt returns uh, for scores in the last, what, seven years in the National Football League. And the last one to do that for the Saints was Marcus Murphy. So uh, that's a big addition. And I do think, again, special teams is about want to. Do you want to do it? And secondly, it's about players. And uh, I think the Saints have spent a lot more time than ever before bringing in guys that can help out on special teams. Uh, I think that's, that's been one of the pluses of bringing in Mike Westoff that I think he's, his voice has been heard in that room about bringing in different people. If it's been Justin Hardy or, or other guys he's wanted, that they can help us out and they can be impact players on special teams. Mike, we appreciate your time. Uh, do you have any more draft, uh, draft books uh, available? And if you do so, uh, what's the website people can get them at? Sure. Uh, we have some left. They can go on to MikeDetillier.com, also SaintsReport.com, and um, we'll send them out right away. Thanks again, Mike. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Once again, I want to thank Mike Detillier for coming on. Y'all give him a follow on Twitter at Mike Detillier. Check out his website at MikeDetillier.com and the Saints Report. Uh, if you don't have one of those MD draft reports, I suggest you get one. Uh, get one every year. And it's really good, especially in those later rounds, to be able to look up some of the guys going in the draft and see who the Saints are picking up and get a little bit more knowledge on what is going on. Uh, with some of the guys the Saints are bringing in. But once again, I want to thank Mike Atelier. Uh, it's been another edition of the Primetime Podcast. My name is Charles Reese, your host. Y'all have a great week, and as always, God bless.